tell you, Michael, uh, I, I don't know if you're a foodie or not, but uh, this weekend was, of course, the 4th of July weekend, and uh, the uh, Smithsonian Institution down here in D.C., they do a folklife festival every year where they do a lot of international stuff, and they have uh, a whole bunch of different experiences on the on the mall, the National Mall, you know, between the Capitol and the Washington Monument. And uh, one of the vendors uh, at the at the folklife festival was selling this absolutely amazing um, uh, sour cherry sorbet mixed with a rose water soft serve ice cream and mm. uh, i was like oh that sounds interesting and i got it it was like it was so good it was so so good when we went on saturday that we that we actually went back on sunday we, we just did a drive-by on sunday we literally because we figured we knew where it was because we'd gone there on saturday and we knew what intersection the kiosk was at and i was like okay i'm, I'm gonna and I, I strategized this with my wife and my son i was like okay, i'm gonna pull up i'm gonna put my hazards on i'm gonna give you the money you run out go buy another um order of it get back in the car and then we'll get back on the road and go home. And so it took us 10 minutes to get there, five minutes to get the ice cream and then 10 minutes to get home. It was like, it was perfect, uh, but it was so, so good. So uh, and, I, and I was spoiled a little bit. And were they fresh cherries? Like what? Uh, it was fresh cherries mixed into the, into the sorbet. So it was a frozen sorbet, right? But it was, it was fresh cherries and uh, cherry syrup and stuff. And then they mixed it with a, a homemade uh, rose water um, sweet soft serve. It was like vanilla, but it was, you know, rose water flavored. And somehow that sour cherry combination with the rose water was just amazing. But uh, it's something I would totally wish I had a replicator because I'd be like, <laughs> replicate me that, man. Uh, well, so good. I know. I'm so hungry now. Maybe we yeah. should just uh, continue this conversation <laughs> later. Oh, wait a second. We're hey. on continuing conversations. Oops. That's on the nose. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, hi, everyone. This is what we do. You just walk in because believe it or not me and jim are actually always on zoom just talking about star trek adventures and we just hit record we all day long yep <laughs> you never know what you'll walk into i'm michael dismuke with uh, continuing conversations and also the continuing missions blog which is the number one fan site for star trek adventures rpg i'm also a freelance writer for star trek adventures wonderful about that and of course that's a big thank you introduction to jim johnson introduce yourself Jim Johnson, I am the project manager and line editor for Star Trek Adventures RPG, published by Manufius Entertainment, a lifelong Star Trek fan, science fiction fantasy writer, yada, yada. But right here, we're here to talk about Star Trek Adventures and uh, a blast from the past, the Beta Quadrant source book, which was uh, the, gosh, a second supplement that came out, for, either the first or the second. I, I can't remember. I have to go back in time and try to remember if, if, these are the voyages came out first or mm -hmm. beta came out first, or if they came out right about the same time, it was all within that window mm -hmm. of six months after the core book came out in July, 2017, this was in this was one of the first books in development after the core book. And, uh, and we're going to talk to you about it today. Yeah. It came out in 2018 too. Yeah. So, so it all came a lot of goodness at that time. I remember I spent a lot of money and uh, I've, I've since then definitely got my money's worth. <laughs> um, from buying the quadrant source books what yeah. we wanted to do because we know we have so many new people coming into the game we want them to remember why these books came out and what value they have um last week we did the alpha quadrant book and now we're talking about beta later on we'll do delta and gamma so let's just jump right into it and talk about the beta quadrant um 
to help us out on page four, we kind of get a helping hand to know about who makes up the beta quadrant? Who are the big species that we're looking at, Jim, when we talk beta? Yeah, the big ones uh, that uh, any Star Trek, any long-term Star Trek fan would certainly know. Newer Star Trek fans, maybe not, because the, some of the newer series don't really focus on, focus on them so much. But the, the beta quadrant is home to the vast majority of the Romulan Star Empire and the Klingon Empire. So two of the primary adversaries that the Federation has had to deal with over the decades is the Romulans and the Klingons. And they both uh, they both call the the beta quadrant their uh, primary home. They both you know they both spread a little bit into the alpha quadrant as well, but primarily beta quadrant is, is where they're at. Uh, and then depending on what sources you're looking at, the uh, the Gorn um, are also a piece of the beta quadrant. Although with the recent stuff that we're seeing now in Strange New Worlds, maybe maybe there's a little bit of uh, mixy matchy there with between the alpha quadrant and the beta quadrant. But uh, well, the, well, the way they propagate, they yeah. could be all over the could place. Be all you gotta do. All you got to do is hawk a loogie on the right passing trader and you're good, <laughs> apparently. Uh, from nasty. From, from strange Super nasty. You're Gorn now. You're, you're, you're uh, impregnated by Gorn babies. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> my God. That's a complication. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this definitely changed things as I was watching. I was like, okay, right. this, this is going to be real interesting. Um, yeah. There's also another big part of the beta quadrant, which isn't mentioned on this map, but Jim... What other big expanse would be part of the beta quadrant for those who are involved? <laughs> yeah, so uh, those of you who've been following the Star Trek Adventures game from the beginning know that the uh, Shackleton expanse is a huge swath of the beta quadrant that uh, we proposed to, uh, to well, at the time CBS, but now they're Paramount Global. Uh, we said, hey, we'd like to make this section of the beta quadrant uh, cool and interesting and give uh, players and game masters a place to go do some adventuring that's you know not really tied into anything canon. And they were like, sure, knock yourself out. And uh, we did. And so we got the whole big Shackleton Expanse campaign guide. We got the living campaign, all that stuff from the Shackleton Expanse. Uh, we dropped a bunch of stuff into the core book right from the very beginning to start building it. And we continued that right into the Beta Quadrant book. So there's some stuff in here about the Shackleton Expanse that we had the opportunity to expand a little further. And uh, and so you, between the Klingons, the Romulans, the Gorn, um, and the Shackleton Expanse, like this Beta Quadrant book, it gives you just tons Tons of story potential. Perfect segue. In fact, I know when we talked about the Shackleton Expanse Guide, you um, helped me understand that on page two, we see a nice schematic of Narendra Station, um, Starbase 364, which we know is, of course, the, the home base for the, sh for the sh uh, Shackleton fleet. Um, and so that diagram is here. And then you segue us perfectly into chapter two, which is about the Beta Quadrant and the very first opening is a briefing from Narendra Station. Mm -hmm. So um, again, if you are playing a Shackleton-based game based on Narendra Station, um, there's goodies in here. Um, I really encourage, too, you know, people who um, are new to Star Trek. We know that a lot of people who've never played Star Trek before, maybe people who didn't even watch the old shows or coming into the new shows, they may not actually be as familiar with some of these species for, that, that us long timers are. Yeah. And just giving your players this to read about the political structure and about um, the different agencies that are involved in administrating Starfleet, I, I find is a helpful tool. I, I Starting on page 11, there's actually some really good explanations there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, you, you raise a good point, Michael. Um, the newer fans, like, uh, so obviously Discovery had the Klingons for a couple seasons, um, but that part of their story kind of predates what's in the beta book, because uh, of course we didn't. Uh, Discovery wasn't even out when we were writing this, 
uh, it hadn't even come out yet, if you can believe that. And um, so, so we, we couldn't even write to what we didn't know yet, right? <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so to really get a, to really get a lot out of the beta book, honestly, I think you would have to you would want to be familiar with the original series, Next Generation especially, and then DS Nine, uh, Voyager not so much because like the Voyager, I mean Voyager as a series didn't really focus on the Romulans or the Klingons. Like there's some allusion to it, of course, because uh, Bolana was a, a half half Klingon, but um, this book is really well suited for folks who are familiar with original series next gen and DS9 because the Klingons and the Romulans played key roles in all three of those series. And, uh, but not, you know, not that you couldn't use it. There's plenty of content in here that you can use with discovery or a enterprise error game or whatever. Well, I actually think you can. The, the, what I was saying is like on page 11, it has the executive agencies and it just has one paragraph blurbs about what they are. And what yeah. if I was a new person and the Federation Archaeology Council, if someone says, oh, by the way, we're going to go help out or transport people from the Federation Archaeology Council, I'd yep. be like, you know, I have no real vision of what that is as a new player, but you have one paragraph here and it's like, bam, oh, there you go. Yep. Um, and so I, I actually like sometimes less is more, <laughs> um, especially mm -hmm. for new players. And I know there's other division books that are a little bit more expansive about some of this, but I thought yep. it was cool that it was truncated here in the beta beta book. Yeah, actually, that's a good reminder, uh, Michael. This harkens back to a conversation we've had previously, where um, if you take content of this book and combine it with a different book, you'd have a whole different, uh, you know, campaign experience. So, yeah. like, if you if you take the conceit that uh, after the Dominion War, the Federation gets back to exploration, then it would totally make sense. Maybe your ship is assigned to the Federation Archaeology Council to go explore ancient archaeological sites or something in the Gamma Quadrant, or maybe you are. Um, Oh, oh! You could you could tie right into the to the lower deck series, right? You could say, "Hey, my ship has been assigned to uh, uh, the Federation Diplomatic Corps to do first contacts or second contacts or or supply missions or whatever," mm -hmm. and uh, and you can just you know riff off of that. There's a science bureau. There's all kinds of possibilities here. Where you can take these little organizations like you were talking about and and have your ship be assigned either to those organizations or as an option now, not, not to sound like a plug, but it is, uh, you could grab the player's guide and you could play, you could have one of your players play a civilian member of one of these organizations assigned to your ship. And like, I remember, especially DS, uh, not DS9, but next gen always had a good time when, the, when their special, special guest star was like a doctor and there would always be some, some friction between them and the crew, right? Cause it's like, Oh, well their, their priorities are different than the crew's priorities. But they still got to figure out a way to work together, right? So uh, I can see. I was just watching that episode with yeah. when Worf threw his back out. Well, he was broken. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just watched that. But uh, another thing too, though, is I, I actually, if it's a new player, don't want to bog them down with a four-page description of the Daystrom Institute or right. Department of Temporal Investigations. If I'm really going to get their imagination fueled up, I want to give them a paragraph and say, "Let's just play off that." You know, we're not we're not being uh, paid by Paramount to produce a TV show. So you don't have to worry about canon as much. The thing is, get people playing. And yeah. from there, that'll have them go researching more if they're interested in bringing in more details later. Mm -hmm. um, so, again, I go into the less is more theory with RPG sometimes. Mm -hmm. Really like also on um, page 18, because my nephew, I think um, if anybody who follows continuing mission knows that he's now blogging as he reads um, and learns about Star Trek adventures. And one of the things he that draw dropped him was the new world economy on page 18. Oh, yeah. So he's like, how do you know, this is a 14 year old. So he's like, how do I make money? Where do we make, how much do I get paid to be in Starfleet? <laughs> he asked all these questions. So I thought this was yeah. a great addition in here.
Yeah, no, I, I, that was useful. And then for uh, for art, like I, I know you're a big fan of the artwork. On uh, page 17, of course, is the is the by now iconic piece of art of the uh, of the Andorian and Klingon hockey teams going at it. And uh, I tell you, we've got we haven't used this piece of art in a lot of books. I think it, it may only be in like two books. Maybe maybe we got into a third one. But like I use I see this all the time online when people are talking social media. Yeah, we're talking about the game and things uh, like somehow this piece of art always shows up. It's like it's such a randomly cool piece of art. And I know uh, uh, Sam uh, Sam Webb was responsible for the art brief on this one. Uh, and when I saw it the first time, I was like, oh, that's that's really kind of crazy and cool. It was like Andorians and Klingons playing hockey against each other. Why not? <laughs> and I think on continuing mission, there's some fan module based off of this picture. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm pretty sure that there's a module about this <laughs> happening at a space station or something. We, we need rules for 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 hockey uh, star trek hockey <laughs> oh my goodness are they using bat lifts for hockey sticks <laughs> oh i don't know that are they uh, that would be cool but no it looks like they're actually mostly traditional hockey sticks yeah, uh, yeah um, fun stuff. very nice some other things that are in the beta quadrant book that aren't others you know some good stuff is if you go on it talks about free traders and cargo ships and colony worlds i actually mm-hmm. like that because sometimes we forget that you could run an adventure completely within Federation boundaries. I call these near, um, you know, uh, close to home missions is how I refer to them in the player's guide. And there's so much to do in close to home missions between family, friends, allies, uh, trade, colonies, all that. So there's some really good um, tidbits about how you could employ that in your game if you're hanging out in the beta quadrant. Mm-hmm. Yep. Cool. What do you want to talk about with the Federation worlds? Um, what benefit could those have? Yeah, so this was an opportunity to add a little bit more lore and uh, in some cases uh, um, carefully create new lore that fits into the uh, fits into the world. Of course, you know, CBS blessed all of it. It doesn't make a canon, but it just makes it canon for the purposes of our game. Uh, this was uh, kind of like building on what was in the core book for some species like the Andorians. And then just adding some new well-known Federation worlds like the, the Benzars, the Benzites, uh, a little bit more information on Earth. Can we back uh, up to Andoria for a quick quick? Uh, yeah, sure. And this might be a possible spoiler. So feel free to stop me if you have to, because it has to do with Strange New Worlds episode nine. May I have a moment to indulge? Uh yeah. <laughs> so so because we have Andor in this book, and we also have Gorns in this book, right? Yeah. Andors are an ice planet. Gorns hate the cold. You're with me, right? Mm-hmm. So, so we all know what happened at the end of episode nine. Why didn't they just cryogenic freeze the guy until they come up with a solution? <laughs> I mean, who knows, right? <laughs> I, 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 and that's the challenge of being so so early into the series and, and, and almost to the end of the season. It's like we don't really know what to expect next, right? Like, uh, I guess they decided to to uh, write that particular character out <laughs> without giving right, too right. many spoilers, but... Uh, my wife is a nominal, a nominal Star Trek fan. Yeah, you know, yeah. So she, so things that may irk me, she won't even pick up on. But at the end, she's like, well, I thought that. And she just came up with that. I was like, I know. <laughs> so just had to mention that, get that off. I mean, I mean even, not to, not to digress, but like the whole Gorn thing and the way they, they, they imagined how they, they procreate and grow and whatever. It's like that, that I mean, I, I don't see how that fits with what we know of the Gorn in the original series, right? So it's like, I, I had a little bit of trouble, like uh, balancing those two. Like, how do we go from what we see in Stranger Worlds to what we see in the original series? And, and my first thought was like, why didn't they just make it a new species? Why didn't they just make it a new, interesting, dangerous species? Why did it, why did it have to be the Gorn? I but, have a theory. 
Yeah. I, I do have a theory okay. about that. And so I'm going to go ahead and spout it since it's not canon. <laughs> and we're in the beta quadrant book. And that's what we're talking about. Is, is sure. So based on the way they reproduce, I would assume that they can pick up different <laughs> DNA attributes from their hosts. And because of that, they're constantly evolving and adapting species. So Gorn spreading out over their part of space over hundreds of years will actually start changing and even picking up some of their uh, different traits from other species, including spitting on people with loogies in order to impregnate them, which could have been a planet they wiped out before. And now uh, they've adapted that. So and I even think that there could be even different intelligent levels among different Gorns, depending on the planet you end up on. And that actually backed up with a, a couple of comic books I read about the Gorn with their mm -hmm. different factions. They're, they're not all the same lizard. Right, right. So, so, so I could see, I, I, if I had to clean it up in a story, I could. <laughs> there you go. That's fair. fair. Uh, so we got, you know, we got more, more about Vulcans in here too, and then a couple other planets. So, yeah, a little bit of, a little bit of lore dropping in. Especially this is useful for those of you who aren't super encyclopedic about Star Trek. You know, we certainly don't expect you to go watch all 800 hours of Star Trek before you start playing the game, because like, who wants that? We just want you to get into the game and start playing and make up your own stuff. Like, if you don't want to try to memorize all this, all this, so much stuff, just, you know, go make up your own thing and maybe, uh, maybe flip through the book and, uh, and grab some ideas, right? There's always ideas on every page here. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to actually say if you like TNG yeah. and, and you watch TNG as a, as a, as a casual fan, this is the book to teach you a little bit about those cultures. You don't need to know everything about the Klingons that's in the Klingon empire core rule book but you know there's enough about the klingons in here that it, it it agrees with what's in tng and also gives you something to work with so if that's all the time you have for a beta quadrant game this is actually a fantastic book for that yeah yeah and the uh, the klingon stuff in here there's the, i mean there's like several pages of klingon stuff in here which was good for what we had the space for uh, but it's, it also served as the um the foundation of everything that we put into the klingon core book right I mean, we took everything in here and uh completely rewrote it, expanded upon it in the, in the Klingon book. So, I mean, it's certainly complimentary with the Klingon book, but you don't need the beta book to have the Klingon book. I mean, there's just a wealth of information in here. And of course, again, at the time, Discovery didn't even exist yet. So we didn't write to, um, to Discovery, uh, as far as I can remember. It, yeah, because I don't think Discovery came out until... I think it may have been 2017, because I remember I was in Iceland watching it. It, it was coming out in Iceland for free on Netflix when it wasn't here in the States wow. yet. <laughs> and so I, I was watching it back then, uh, 2017, maybe maybe January 2018. It may have premiered in Europe at least. Oh, no, oh yeah, you're right. September September 2017. So yeah. yeah so Discovery, Discovery was out as we were developing. You know what? We may have dropped in one or two little tiny references to a, to a big battle that happened. I, I'd have to go dig through the manuscript, but... Uh, um yeah actually yeah you're right this this game the game came out before discovery but discovery came out that fall um mm -hmm. and then certainly influenced everything we did um after that well, one of my, since 2020 okay got it one of one of my favorite species is the actually the romulans and yeah. the reason why is because they are so mysterious and there's a lot in here i was actually able to use this in my game Romulans are actually the heroes <laughs> and a propaganda campaign has been done by the Vulcans for years to, to keep them looking bad just because they want their privacy. Um, and so uh, this, this was a big basis for me to use here. I encourage people, you know, sometimes people are scared to use Romulans because there's not that much known about them. I look at that as an opportunity to, to, to 
flesh out the story and and yeah. the players creating the story with me about why Romulans are the way they are. So there's a lot of good meeting here for sure about yeah. the Romulans. I still can't nail down the exact year they separated from Vulcan though. Can you? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I don't recall. I, I'm not sure if it, I'm not sure if it's even connect, canonical yet, but uh, I'd have try. to do some research. Yeah, so that's cool. And of course, there's you know their, their factions themselves. They have the Tal Shiar, and they have their own special brand of technology and some really mean disruptors. Don't, don't yeah. I, I warn game masters? Don't start firing off Romulan disruptors uh, <laughs> versus the phasers. Uh, mm-hmm. They definitely are better there. Cool. Um, then we have Orions, which are very popular now because of Discovery. Right, that's included in there. Yep. So we we added a little bit. Of, we had, we had some space to put in some stuff about the Orions. I, I think it's only like four or five pages, but they're they're kind of a key uh, um, piece of the facet game, and uh, they're an interesting adversary in Enterprise in the original series, and they're talked about a little bit in DS Nine, kind of in the shadows, kind of in the background, but you don't really see them much. Um, but you certainly hear about the Syndicate, and it seemed like a good opportunity to do a little bit of lore, uh, a little drop in some lore, so that folks who wanted to use the Syndicate. And of course, we, uh, I was intentional about making the syndicate a key component of the Shackleton expanse. And so this seemed like a good opportunity to drop that in here as well, if folks wanted to use it for their uh, expanse games. Yeah. And this is also the most expansive write-up we have about the Gorn. I just changed the picture in the background for those of you who are watching this awesome piece of Gorn art that I love in here. Um, th- this was the first expansive piece on them in the Beta Quadrant book, correct? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it, it talks about the political structure. But again, I encourage people, we just saw three episodes about Gorn in Strange New Worlds. And so don't go into this looking for conflict, go into this yes and kind of like how I did talking about, well, maybe they're an adaptive species. Maybe that's the yeah. Gorn, you know. So so um, but you got a lot of cool meat in here. Um, I read the I don't know if you read the comic books, uh, Star Trek Advent. Uh, Okay, I just brain farted, sorry. <laughs> Graphic novel. Um, but there's a, a fantastic episode with the crew of the Enterprise um, arriving on their home world right after an assassination, major assassination has happened and brilliant story writing nice. um, okay. in that comic. Uh, yeah. so, and and this, this is just a good example of the challenges of doing a licensed role-playing game based on a property that's currently got a whole bunch of shows in production. Is like, we did this, we did this book back in 2018 when Strange New Worlds was not even a concept on anybody's radar. Um, like, it, it, that didn't happen until after season two of Discovery. So, so like, we literally had no idea that anybody was going to do any developmental work on the Gorn. And so, uh, and, and, you know, in more recent books, I'm starting to add a disclaimer saying, oh, hey, by the way, we're, we're referencing Discovery, we're referencing Picard. There's other TV, there's other Star Trek shows in active production. Just be aware, right? Yeah. Like, we're doing the best we can, but because we don't have that kind of connection to the production teams, we don't know what they're going to come up with. And uh, that's, that's the, always the challenge and the fear is that we're going to produce a book one day and it will have been invalidated by Canon by the time it comes out. That's always the fear, but ho- so far it hasn't happened yet. Well, see, but, the universe uh, is so big though. I, I think yeah. it's all inclusive. I'm going to give you credit because whoever wrote on page 73 about Gorn jammers, <laughs> they actually were a little in line because they said this is talking about a vessel which is outfitted with a jamming device which can disrupt active scanning at extreme range. Mm. Well, maybe that was based off of their phys- physiology too. So, you know, because we just learned a little something about them. So, I think that's really 
I mean, I'm always like, Ooh, I'm making connections like that at all times. So <laughs> nice. I, I, I love storytelling. You know me. Awesome. Okay. And so let's move on then um, as we're coming through the beta quadrant book, talk to us about species of the beta quadrant and what this chapter is for. Yeah. So the idea being that chapter one, chapter two, those that's all good lore information that both players and game, game masters could make use of in backstories or in, in, in plots and stories and whatever you want to use it for. Uh, chapter three is really all about new species. So as a player, you always want new species, new options to play with. Um, so this presents a, a whole bunch of new Star Trek species that you can use to play. So you got the Ardanans, Ar Ar uh, the Benzites, uh, where you have Bolians. I mean, these are all great TNG kind of uh, characters. Uh, Delton, I mean, actually it's it's TOS and TNG, especially because you got Deltons in here. Uh, Ephrosians, the classic Ephrosians. You got Klingons, um, for those who are into uh, that. Uh, Regelians. Uh, oh, we, we have dropped in the Zindi uh, Arboreals. I think we missed those in a different book. Uh, the Risons. Uh, oh no, we got four. We got four of this Indian here. Um, I don't remember. And I, I know we missed one, but I don't remember how or why that happened. <laughs> you know, well, if it's, if it's an avian, they're all extinct, so that's yeah. probably why. Yeah, you missed the avian. Okay. Yeah, you missed the avian, but they were extinct by the time in Enterprise. Got it. And then the uh, Zakdorn, the, the ever popular Zakdorn, of course. I apologize um, for knowing that factoid. Hey, no, 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 never apologize for your Star Trek lore. Um, I love so Ardanans. So, so. I'm playing an Ardanan in, 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 in a game, which is, <laughs> nice. I know someone here dreams of playing an Ephrosian. So uh, we'll see. Hopefully, get, hopefully we'll get there soon. Um, but yeah, so this is uh, this is more species for you to play with, uh, more more talents, more species talents. So if you want to make your own species, you can certainly pull from every talent that's in the game and, and you know, pick your own, rename them, re rejigger them, whatever. Uh, so that's uh, that's chapter three essentially just more stuff for the player's toolbox um Fantastic. yeah and then, and then we uh, see we, uh, uh, go ahead no i was just gonna, i was just gonna just jump into chapter four but uh, yeah please go ahead mm -hmm. uh so this is uh you know more starships you got Klingon starships uh i think there's romulan hold on let me fix my zoom so i can actually see this a little bit better um romulan starships of course just giving you more options for adversaries or if you're playing a Klingon game or a Romulan game, you know more ships to use in your in your game. Uh, dropped in a few Orion ships. Uh, this is uh, this is one of the first places where we had a partnership with uh, Star Trek Online. So the artwork on page uh, 95 is one of the uh, Orion ships that is in their game. They they gave us uh, the artwork and we made made use of it. Uh, we got some Gorn starships in here. Uh, the Gorn the Gorn starship is also from uh, Star Trek Online. Mm -hmm. uh, it's got that in there. We added a few civilian ships uh, that we've seen throughout the show. Uh, or through all through the uh, franchise, not just the show, but uh, drop some more stuff in there. I uh, got a Vulcan ship, so just you know, uh, for for game masters, it's more ships to throw at your at your uh, Starfleet crew, and for players, it's just more ships that if you decide to play a uh, independent game or a, or an adversary game or uh, you know some different policy other than Starfleet, there's just more options in here uh, for you to play with. I want to talk about the encounters and adversaries. Um, yeah. I, this was the first. Not only are there encounter seeds in here. Um, mm -hmm. which gives you an opportunity to spark an adventure. Um, I'm going to brag about the, this Romulan section where it had the scout ship pilot, the technician, the saboteur, the subcenturion, the interrogator, a lead scientist. Um, I was able to take all of those and create a crew that became the nemesis of my crew for two seasons in, in our Star Trek game. And I just used these and switched the names around and added a couple focuses if I needed to. But why 
do the work if it's all here and it kind of gives you a background of what each person does. I just encourage people look at this. And of course, my favorite thing to do is look at the focuses. I'm going to highlight two, one on page 106, which is threat assessment, which I thought is such could be a security or command focus, maybe science. And then the one on, um, and again, I had the chance to roll with these and play with these. Uh, the one on the next page is paranoia. Senator Malar has the focus of paranoia. Now, how do you use that? Are you using it? You can. Are you yourself paranoid? And so that makes you make certain decisions or do you know how to use paranoia as a weapon? Yeah. Like through mass media and par- uh-huh. propaganda. Oh, right. this game is so awesome. That's such cool. <laughs> That's such cool. <laughs> the focus, to me, the focuses make the character. They really do. Yeah. Yeah, fo- focus, right. Coming up with focuses and values are always fun because that's yeah. that between those two, those are like how you really kind of build a character. Like you, you could even skip the, and I know we've talked about this too, right? You could just skip the character description paragraph and just go straight, look at their values, look at their focuses. That tells you who the character is. Uh, like right. what, what's, what's important to them and what are they good at? And yeah. that, that gives you a good sense of, uh, of what they're up to. And honestly, if you want to all simplify your games, I don't care. You could make, your all your attributes 10 and all your disciplines three and if you have some really good focuses the dice rolling is going to be fun either way yeah you know and i just i just um love that cool um there's also some important geographic locations that you pointed out here um one was the briar patch what's the briar patch jim for newbies to start uh briar patch uh, aka clock decal brocked if i remember right that's the (laughs) the big klingon battle but Briar Patch was featured in uh, Star Trek Insurrection, uh, was one of the big, big nebula type of places where they had a big fight with the Sona and the uh, uh, Baku, well, not the Baku, but they fought the Sona, the Enterprise E fought the Sona. Do you and, remember the awesome piece of technology that we saw during that battle? It was one of the, I mean, it, it was one of the most amazing pieces of technology ever unfurled in any Star Trek movie. I don't recall. I have to go watch it again. <laughs> Riker, he had the joystick. He could fly the ship. Oh, the, the, the manual the manual flying thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Ransom does it later in the uh, lower deck. Too. Yes. Yeah. Gotta have the joystick. <laughs> yeah. So so just I have to la- I have to laugh because one of my players created a character with manual uh manual flight control. <laughs> it's about how she, they're just a master of that stick. Right, right. Yeah, that's that. cool. That's cool. <laughs> ah. Oh, this game. <laughs> <laughs> there's so much. There's just so much, right? I mean, it's funny looking looking back at these older books, and I feel ridiculous saying that because they're only four years old. Right. It's not that, they're not that old, right? They're, these are, these have not been out that long, but uh, it, it's just uh, it's just a reminder of like all the stuff that we've done since then. Of course, was building off of what we are we had done in these books, yeah. and uh, and I just just even just re- refreshing my memory now on, on the contents here. It's like, oh, we could take this and this and this. And combine it with all this new stuff, and you got a whole new game. And uh, like, um, it's just a it's too much fun. Embarrassment of riches, man. It's it's just too much fun. And again, as we're getting toward wrap up, we go into the Klingon border again with more encounter seeds that you yep. could just launch. I mean, if you have a bunch of storytellers, like I'm privileged to have in my group, or me and Jim when we're riffing, we could take one encounter seed and just fly. You know, um, I, I want people don't want people to think that in order to play RPG, you have that though. You can. You don't have to spend hours and hours of preparation to have a game night. Many of us aren't blessed with that much time anymore. If you have people who are just willing and yes, and sit them down, grab an encounter seat, hand out a couple characters from this, you know, take a picture of 
a human smuggler and say, this is your character and send it to them on their phone, on their iPad and get to playing. Um, all, all the work is done here for you, for them, which is really cool. And of course we close out with your favorite sector of space, Jim. Yeah. And this was, uh, so this was, uh, when I was, uh, I was a freelance writer and an editor on the, on the, for the game line. This was, I mean, this was still early, early days. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had, uh, Sam, Sam came to me and said, Hey, I've got like four pages available in the beta book. Do you want to drop in something about the Shackleton expanse? Cause at the time we were, of course I was, I was responsible for the living campaign and we were going uh, hundred, you know, full bore hundred percent on the living campaign, just trying to churn out those new adventures. And I was like, yeah, I could probably bang out four, four pages of more content. And uh, this was the first opportunity where we, where we really had to kind of like um, add more details about the station and the personnel on the station and just try to flesh it out a little bit and try Cause I, I mean, at that time, the, the missions weren't really focused on the station. They were focused on going into the expanse and doing stuff. And I was like, we really need to cr- start creating this star base as a thing, like, like a character that we could, you know, use in games. And so I tried to flesh out the star base a little bit. I, I, I did paragraph descriptions of the main, of some of the main uh, senior staff there. And of course, these got expanded in the Shackleton book later. Um, I had some fun writing the sidebars about some of the weird stuff that's happening in the expanse. So I had fun writing those. Um, uh, I liked, I yeah. liked the, oh. the, commi- the plot the component. Stuff. As I play this game more, I, I'm getting more and more into plot components, yeah. um, especially after we went through the divisions books. And so yeah. I thought it was cool that you included some plot components. So sometimes we just need an idea to spark. Mm-hmm. Um, I tell people get daring and mix two plot components together so like yeah. here there's a command plot component that's you know uh maintaining or improving federation klingon relations well mix it with the science plot component of providing medical care to injured beings of hitherto unknown species oh right. oh now you have to collaborate with the klingons and helping an unknown species maybe in the borders so <clears throat> a lot of cool ideas in this book that's the beta quadrant book mm-hmm. that's fantastic it's cool awesome. All right. Well, there's a lot more to explore. We know that. Um, I want to, of course, always do our shout outs, Jim, before we uh, wrap up and move on to our next episode. This time I'm going to shout out Jay Benet, Games U, Gilbert, Arizona. Love that. Games U, the letter U. So here's a shout out to James Benet. Who do you want to shout out, Jim? Um, I I mentioned it before we started recording, but uh, looking at these, you know, older books, (laughs) quote unquote, older books. Um, I have an opportunity to look at the credits page, which has uh, changed over the years. And I uh, just want to thank everybody who is working for and with Modifius, you know, back in 2017, 2018, because uh, we're, we're, we've built on your work. So thank you for all the work that you did. Uh, so many names have come and gone. So, you know, some of the folks are still with uh, Modifius are still freelancing, but uh, some of the folks have moved on to other things and uh, just thank them for all their, uh, all their service. And uh, yeah, go from there. It's, it's a great opportunity to uh, play this game and to even be part of the creation of it. I think the more people who get to join in creating it, the more popular it's going to be as we tell our friends and families about it. For sure. We must breed game masters. Maybe if I could just like spit on somebody, maybe they become a game <laughs> master. I could try that. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's going to be one of our projects for, for the next couple of years is like, how do we, how do we, how do we build new Star Trek Adventures game masters? Uh, how, do we, how do we get people to not be scared of the game? and uh, and run it confidently so that they can create more players and then create more game masters and you know continue it on from there so you know somehow other games have done that 
And I'm just, uh, proud. I'm just proud that we have it now where you can sit around a fire outside with your electronic devices and play RPG or it's now I'm, I'm listening to people online. It's evolving where people are just passing the ball and telling storytelling, you know, <clears throat> because they, they have enough to work off of. So it'll evolve. It'll get there. When humans want something, it happens. That's just happens that way. For sure. <laughs> All right. Fantastic. Jim. Right. I-D-I-C. Live long and prosper, be safe, be well. We'll talk to you all next time.